Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. On today's episode, I catch up with Rami Sayar, who is a senior technology evangelist at Microsoft, where he covers technical areas such as open source technologies, open data, and cloud computing. Not sure about anyone else out there, but I was just so excited to find out what a technology evangelist is. It was really interesting to hear his thoughts on creating credibility to gain trust within a global organization like Microsoft, and most importantly, how he's able to navigate through the massive organization to find the right people and become a leader. It was interesting to hear how he used his community building activities to learn how to grow as a leader by being uncomfortable and being humbled. Before getting started, I want to say thanks to my media partners, IT World Canada, for the support of the podcast. Enjoy the show. There he is. Welcome to the show, Rami. Hi, Edwin. Before we get started, Rami, why don't we start off with you? Can you please share with the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you like to do? Yeah, that's always been a tough question for me because I've always liked many different things. Um, I studied engineering at McGill, so uh, for a long time I was very focused on mathematics, but even before, and and sort of engineering and computer science, but even before that, um, I, I... could have seen myself going into something like architecture or some artistic field. So for me, it's always been difficult to say like, oh, I, I am an engineer, like a pure engineer. I actually like to do many things. I, I recently I've gotten into a passion, uh, for, I've had a passion for photography. So I've, I've been buying gear, I've been buying lots of, uh, different, uh, even, um, interest in video as well now. So I have like a little vlogging setup now that I'm, I'm starting to bring around at conferences and, uh, I even got like a little portable audio studio basically in my in my little backpack got the whole s- setup so it's it's hard for me to 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 say I'm one thing I'm actually I like to do many things and ideally I like to mix all those things together cuz stuff that I'm passionate about stuff that I like stuff that I enjoy to do you know it's it's hard for me to just pinpoint one thing it's it's many things I think and ideally the intersection of all those passions of mine I'm really curious and if you could share with us your role at Microsoft as a senior technology evangelist. I mean, I've always wondered, what does that mean? Yeah. And and perhaps, what's your current mission in that role? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in tech, you do tend to have these funny roles that don't really exist elsewhere. And technical evangelist is is one of those things. Uh, It it boils down to basically the idea that you techies are passionate about the stacks that they choose to develop their software on, develop their applications. Um, so in a sense, it's almost, I don't know if you, if you uh, were ever a fanboy of Apple or even for Windows or, or just a fanboy in general, if you met a fanboy before, um, they'll t- like the passion just oozes out of everything they say. And they're super excited about the latest technologies, the latest, uh, you know, gadgets that come out from that company. Um, and the idea behind uh, what a technical evangelist does is actually to energize 
developers into uh, taking a look at what's new, what's coming up from the from the product companies, from the product teams, uh, and and really the, the mission of an evangelist is to spread the word of um, the latest and most awesomest things that are coming out. Um, so as part of my job at Microsoft, I focus entirely on web and open source technologies, uh, and what that means is that I am typically working uh, with developers at startups or, or individual developers or small companies, helping them build really cool technology typically using web and open source stuff uh, and helping them make that work on Microsoft and also sharing what Microsoft is doing in that space uh, with them. So we end up speaking at conferences, hosting events. I've done like courses online, blogging, social media. Uh, but at the core, the job is really marrying technology and bringing people together and bringing communities together around these technologies uh, and helping people actually build cool stuff. I mean, you use the term, so you are a fanboy, I guess. I am. I'm absolutely a fan. I've always been a fan of of Microsoft uh, ever since I was in, in high school, actually. Uh, my first class uh, of computer programming was C++ with Visual uh, Studio C++ 6, I think. Uh, uh, it was, you know, like, this is my first exposure to the world of computer science. Uh, and ever since then, I've, I've always heard the story of Bill Gates and his sort of uh, business leadership. I've always been a fan of Bill Gates and especially today what he's doing with the Bill and Melinda Foundation. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I am a Microsoft fanboy, even though I, I play in this what what's typically considered the non-Microsoft areas, like web technologies and, and open source technologies weren't necessarily like Microsoft's bread and butter for a long time. But even today, it's um, I'm still a Microsoft fanboy and I'm bringing my, my passion for open source software and for web technologies into Microsoft and sharing what Microsoft's doing in that space as well. No, I mean, that's great. And it sounds like, I mean, even from your intro, you are really marrying the passion of your interests into your job and to business leaders that you, you looked up to in the past. So, I mean, that's great. I mean, you're almost living the dream at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's, everybody always says that to me, like, hey, this is like the most awesomest job you could have. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you could say that. But it's it's still a tough job. You, you do face a lot of resistance many times, folks that just don't believe uh, in what you're doing or, or the mission of the company. And uh, the only way that, you know, you overcome that is by actually showing, Hey, no, no, this is, this is real. Look at me, do it now. Like I can do it live in front of you. It's not like this, this fake thing that we're putting out there. It's real technology that you can play with today. Um, and being at the forefront of technology is, is sort of part of the role of an evangelist. You're always out there trying to show the cutting edge stuff that's happening, um, playing with the cutting edge stuff yourself, uh, even playing with preview software that's not available for everybody else. Um, it's if for someone who's like a, a big geek in, of, of technology like myself, it's, it is the dream job. I get to play with the coolest stuff and I get to share that passion of mine and share all this new stuff that's coming out uh, with the rest of the developer and technical communities out there. To that point, it seems like you're doing you're doing pretty well at, with your role at Microsoft. I read recently that you were awarded worldwide best in the role um, last year, and not to mention that you were promoted uh, your levels twice from technical evangelist to senior technical. So I'm curious to know how are you able to continually grow within within your role and gain recognition within such a large global organization like Microsoft? I think it boils down to your acceptance of change and responsibilities. I think what this might be a personality trait of mine or, or just something that I'm used to, but I'm very, very comfortable with change. 
whether it's it's a change in the mission, change in the, in, in the objectives, change in the technology, whatever it is. I actually love change. It's something that excites me. Um, and I can't imagine ever going back into an engineering role where I'm only working on the same product for years. I, I just can't see myself doing that anymore because it's just not who I am. I like to try out new things. So for me, one of the things that led to my success is that in a global organization like Microsoft, that's almost governed by quarterly objectives. And, and you know, as you would know, in, in sort of bu- these business cycles that tend to be very short term, being capable to handle change, which I, I have to admit, not everyone can and not everyone's used to being able to sort of take the charge on new things, take responsibilities, even if it's the complete unknown. I think that's what's helped me in in my career to grow and gain more responsibilities and, and be a, a, a senior technical evangelist as opposed to a, a junior or, or associate level technical evangelist or however you want to uh, show the ladder of, of uh, job responsibilities. Right. No, 100%. And thank you for sharing that. So, I mean, having that change in being who that, I mean, that's who your core competencies are, is that, but how are you building yourself now, uh, be, being that senior technology evangelist, uh, an effective leader, leader within the organization? Or is it mostly outbound work that you're doing at this point? It's always a mixture of both. Uh, evangelism is both introspective and outwards. Um, so when you're looking at uh, the technologies that are coming in from like internally within the product teams, that's great. There, there's all this stuff that's they're, they're building and you want to share that out with the world. Um, but one of the really interesting things about people in my role is that we also have to bring in outside feedback into the organization and actually make sure that the teams that are, you know, these people don't report to you. They don't necessarily like understand they, they might live in a certain bubble, especially at a huge organization like Microsoft. It's all, it's almost as if like most of our, our engineers are sort of in this Redmond bubble um, for them to understand what's happening outside. It's one of the core responsibilities of an evangelist. And the better you are at doing that, the better the product becomes, the better the acceptance of the product in the general tech technical community becomes. Um, it, so it's it, really important. And it's really difficult to actually accomplish that. And essentially, I, I feel like it, it's not being like the outward side is one thing. And it's a big component of my job. But it's almost not even as important as as really helping the company understand what's happening in the rest of the tech world. The tech world changes dramatically um, from year to year. Companies lose market share almost like in dramatic fashion compared to different other like industries and, and other or other sectors of the economy where things may be a little bit slower. Um, so tech in technology, you can't ever rest. There's no you can't stop. You can't pause. You can't just hit the brakes on something. You got to keep going. And if you don't know what's happening outside because you're in this large organization and you're focused on this very specific thing, it's hard to see what the rest of the tech community is doing and it's very easy to fall behind. So part of our jobs is to collect feedback, to work with the leaders of the technology fields. Um, and you'll see there's a whole bunch of them here at FITC. Um, they're speaking about the latest advances that you know have nothing to do with, with Microsoft technology or, or are barely related to some field in, that Microsoft operates in. Um, we still want to engage with them. We want to get their feedback. We want to get their opinions. We want to put them together with our engineers so that our engineers can see what's happening outside. So it, it is both internally focused and externally focused. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you pay this type of role could play a, a pivotal within the organization in which way it would go 
adopting new technologies or, or what makes sense or whatnot. I mean, you mentioned a lot of the engineers are in Redmond and do you often go there and how, how does that work if you had an idea or you you saw something that maybe we should look at at Microsoft to, to implement? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually in Redmond fairly frequently. The way that it works is uh, in the field, we're collecting feedback, we're collecting bug reports, for example, things that just don't work with our technologies. Um, we're taking a look at what's actually trending, what people are actually focused on. Um, to give you an example, I've been focused entirely on React, uh, which is this uh, web framework for building web applications that developers use. Uh, and for a long time, it wasn't very clear, you know, if React was going to be the the dominant framework in the future. And so far, it looks like it has been, but I could have told you it will be about a year and a half ago, because I had already been talking to some of the leaders in the field and, and seeing their excitement, seeing how they're speaking about it at conferences, how they're speaking about this technology. Um, so for, for us, what we've actually done, and we have to do is go back to Redmond and say, hey, we need to improve our support for, you know, programming with this framework, we need to do all this stuff. So we talk to the, pro, uh, the product managers, you know, we make sure that this this new thing is on their radar uh, in terms of like the list of things that they need to get their engineers to work on um, and we bring this feedback either directly to the product managers when we if we know if we know them if we have a relationship with them I'm lucky enough to have a relationship with some of the core guys that work on the node.js support for for Azure and for um, some of the PMs on the Visual Studio code team uh, so for me I, I could directly talk to them but for other evangelists who may not have that relationship yet um, there are other official avenues that you can go to within uh, the DX corporate version. So the the evangelism team that sits inside Redmond, the corporate version. Um, we're in the field, so we're in Canada. Um, there's also the corporate evangelist team as well. So there are like official and semi-official ways to get this feedback. Uh, it boils down to your relationships with the engineers, the product managers, how they if they trust your uh, trust your opinions, your what you've seen in the field. So. It is, can be challenging, and for a lot of folks that are new to evangelism, it's almost like this daunting task. Like, to how do you even find who's responsible for this like product, right? Like, how do and it's it's there's like teams of folks that you know are responsible for like very small parts of a product. It's it's Microsoft's huge, so navigating the, the organization is is definitely a skill that I, I had to learn actually. And uh, once I I did, it, it became very easy to implement the change uh, that I thought needed to be implemented, or at least talk to the folks that might consider these changes um, into the products and improve the products for everybody that's out there. And one thing I want to just really ask, because it always fascinates to me, like how, how a lot of business leaders get to where they are today, how they had to make their change or the transformation. Uh, what, what would you say was your biggest turning point that got you to where you are today? I think for me, it was uh, coming to the realization that your opinions, your ideas, they're worth nothing if you just put them up on a shelf somewhere. No matter how great the idea is, you need to actually go out and speak about it. Whether that's at a conference, whether that's writing a blog post, whether that's writing an email that goes to a broad group of people, whatever it is, you have to actually communicate uh, your ideas. Otherwise, no matter how great they are, they're just going to sit there and no one's going to know about it. No one's going to do anything and nothing's going to happen. Um, so for me, I, I think the turning point was realizing that I needed to do this for myself. I needed to, I had ideas and I wanted to communicate them. So I had to almost build a personal brand around, around myself a little bit. So I started speaking at conferences, um, just so I can get some, some recognition. And it's not, uh, perhaps not necessarily recognition is the right word. It's, it's more credibility. That's the word. So you have to build this credibility around yourself before people can accept your ideas, I think. Um, and to, the way that you do that is by sharing. 
You cannot like build credibility just by, you know, having a degree. That's not how it works, especially not in the business world. It might work in academia for you, mm. but not in the business world. For, to build credibility, you have to share. Um, you have to share your ideas. You have to communicate. You have to be willing to change, be willing to change your ideas, even in what you're, what you think should is the right way to do something. So I think when I, when I came to that realization, I was lucky that I came to it roughly when I was still in university. Um, when I actually became a TA at one point, I was like, Oh wow, for me to actually like share some of the ideas that I have about programming, I need to actually communicate it. So that, that was something that it was the point where I sort of realized that, Hey, this is something that I need to get good at. I need to, you know, be, be comfortable talking about my ideas, sharing them, uh, being open to criticism, um, which is very hard for engineers. Right? I, I feel like that's just, um, you know, someone who graduated engineering, um, you're used to there being only a one right answer, which is not true in the real world. <laughs> um, and you need to be willing to accept criticism, even if you necessarily don't think it's right. But that's, but that's the whole point. You, you gotta give and, and, and get to be able to you know, reach the, the goals that you want. And, and really, um, it was that turning point when I had that realization, um, that I, I think from then on, it became a lot easier for me to, be a good evangelist or even uh, work with the product teams and really share with them, Hey, this is what I'm doing with customers. Like you can see it. Here's a video of it. And like, here's what I've done. And you know, this is what they're doing. So it's, you're sharing this stuff. You're communicating it, whether it's, you know, in the blog post, an email, a social media podcast, or yeah. like whatever, it doesn't matter, but you, you got to share. To the point of personal branding and sharing and being in that global organization. I mean, I guess that helped you not only build that credibility, it's putting your reputation up. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's putting it right there on the wall for anyone yeah. to break down or take yeah. apart. Right. Especially if you're talking to other engineers. Right. Yeah. And you can't be egotistical about this stuff. Yes. I do put my reputation on the line every time I go up and do a, a talk at a conference. Right. Somebody might, and it's just even in the middle of the conference, stand up and say, this is all like wrong. I don't believe in this. This is like not my opinion. I don't share this with you. I'm going to yell at you until you get off the stage. You know, like there are horror stories like that. I haven't unfortunately had that. Uh, sorry. Fortunately, that haven't happened to me yet. But, um, yes. And you have to be comfortable with that. You can't, you, you have to let go of your ego a hundred percent. Um, your ego might be like the biggest blocking point that you have. And yes, you're, you're going to have to put your reputation on the line. It's, it's called taking risks and you got to do that. And one thing I, I found out, Rami, looking into, uh, your bio, your website, I mean, it sounds like you're an awesome community leader as well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> thank you for that Thanks. work. <laughs> but over the last three years, you, you've organized monthly meetups for developers, engineers, interest groups, game developers, but I'm sure this is all really rewarding, but can you share how this experience helps you grow as, as a leader in business? And maybe we talked about it already um, within Microsoft. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that running, say, some of these user groups does for me is that it, it makes me feel uncomfortable and it, it makes me feel more humble, I think. Um, so those are two things. One, it makes me uncomfortable because, uh, for example, uh, running the Unity game developer group uh, in Montreal, and it's become a huge group now where I think over a thousand members on, on meetup.com that have signed up for it. it. It makes me uncomfortable, which is something that's good. I need to remain uncomfortable because that's, that's when I grow. I know that I'm, I'm, I am comfortable with change, right? So when change comes to me, that's, that's great, but I need to almost stay. I need to change needs to come faster. I think for me, like I always need to feel uncomfortable. Uh, so 
the Unity helps, group helps me do that because it's it's not something that I'm an expert in I, at all. But I am still running this group and I'm bringing these people together. I'm trying to figure out who the speakers are, like that should be speaking at my group and stuff like that. So it makes me feel like there's more to learn. Um, I, I feel like a lot of folks become very comfortable in their careers. I feel as it's hard to do that at Microsoft because everything's constantly changing all the time. But even that change, is, it's not like it's week to week change. It's It's, you know, over six months um, in most cases. Uh, or a quarter at the shortest. Um, so running a monthly meetup though, that's like a monthly ordeal. <laughs> it's a monthly thing. I gotta, I gotta worry about it's, it, it keeps me uncomfortable. I, I gotta worry about the next mo- month's meetup. Um, I gotta find out who the right people are. Um, it's just one little thing. It's not particularly difficult. Like it's not like it's a gargantuan task that I have to accomplish every month, but it's, it is something that keeps me on edge. Right. And that's something that I like. And the other thing is, it's also a a very humble thing in the sense that, you know, like when I go to do these things, I'm the one that's going to put the chairs out. Like I'm going to do all this, you know, all all the work to actually set it up, like put up the cameras, the lights, all that stuff. So uh, it reminds me that like there there's a lot of hard work that you need to do to succeed. And it's just it's just a a constant reminder. Like when I go to conferences like FITC, I don't have to do anything. I just go up on stage and I speak running the monthly meetup that reminds me that, you know. It's just, it's just one of the ways that I, I, I value hard work a lot. So it's one of the ways that I, I keep myself like working hard. Can you share with us who your biggest influence is when it comes to business leadership? I know, I know you mentioned Bill Gates earlier. Um, is there anyone else that, that you look to right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm very fascinated by Jack Ma. Uh, so he's the CEO of Alibaba. Uh, he has a fascinating story. Uh, I recently read, um, a, a book about him, a semi biography and, and, and stuff about Alibaba and Jack Ma in particular. Um, his, he's so down to earth that it's like, it's actually refreshing to hear him speak on stage and, and talk about things. And he'll just say, he'll just say what's on his mind. And honestly, those are, those are things that attributes that I, I look up to, like being, uh, humble, being, um, you know, open. Uh, I try as much as possible to, to also emulate those, those traits. And it can be difficult though, especially when you're in this, I guess, position where folks are looking at everything that you're saying and they're going to, you know, if you say the wrong thing, it could be very disastrous. Um, so learning from him, reading that book, looking at, you know, his talks, his speeches, how he approaches interviews, how he approaches talking to his employees, um, the culture that he's instilling at Alibaba, that's something that that's particularly, uh, uh, interesting to me. It's um, something I'm looking out at and something I'm very interested in. Like, it, I don't know how else to, to, to say. Like, I, Well, what's the name of the book? Do you remember? Uh, it was called Alibaba, actually. Alibaba, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it sounds super interesting. I know Jack Ma. I mean, I've read a, as much as I can, but but I never read this book, so I'm going to definitely check it out. And yeah. I'll post a link as well for the listeners out there who's who's interested in. Are there any other books that, that, you're, that you recently read in terms of business or business leadership? There was one, um, so I, I, I listen to podcasts actually more often than I read <laughs> simply because I'm always, I like, I like that. <laughs> you like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, simply because like I, you know, I don't, I don't really have a, a huge amount of time to read books. There, there is another book. Like the, when I read books is basically when I'm in an airplane and there's no wifi in the airplane yeah. and, or when I'm at, on like on vacation, I don't actually have time to read necessarily like two hours a day. Um, so I, I, catch up to that by listening to a lot of podcasts so so which podcasts do you listen to uh sure actually exponent is one of them um big fan of exponent i think ben thompson is probably one of the greatest uh, strategy minds in tech right now 
And uh, besides Exponent, I also listen to um, Developer T. It's this podcast specifically for developers, and, and it covers both the technical side, like what's coming in in the web world, uh, as well as you know the personal side of you know some developers or um, you know what it's like to be a developer and like this you know the, the the questions and problems that you face as a developer. So less on the technical side, more on the the soft skill side as well. Um, so it's a, a nice mix of both. Those are the two podcasts that I, I listen to quite frequently, and they're f- they're fairly regular. Like Exponent, their podcast is about an hour every every week or so, but it's it's always packed with like this like really insightful information and and stuff like that. Um, the other book that I read recently on vacation about a month ago was Rise of the Machines, uh, Rise of the Robots. I think um, that's, that was interesting to me as well. I thought that was uh, very insightful and t- t- to actually seeing how fast we're going towards this robotic future. Um, like I, I do believe that we are going to have a lot more robots and a lot more machine learning and, and types of intelligent, intelligent machines uh, everywhere in society. And I, th- I, I do feel like that's going to happen very quickly, but what, what rises the ro- of the robots really convinced me of is that it's actually going to happen a lot faster than I thought it would. I, no, I very that was cool. A great yeah. No, I've heard of that book. It's actually on my list. So, I mean, thank you for your, reminding me that I got to get on to making that time to read as well. But Rami, I'm having a great time learning a lot about you and your growth within your career and and how you're leading everything part of that. But before we end, I'd love to get some final thoughts, any observations, specifically even if you have any actionable recommendations that uh, you can share for any of the future evangelists or, or, or fanboys out there that are looking to grow their career. Share. That's the number one thing. Uh, don't be scared to press the publish button. I even, I even have to battle that fear every once in a while. Um, you know, where I, I might write a blog post and I'm like, it's not perfect enough. It's, you know, maybe I shouldn't publish it, but honestly, just publish, just share. Um, whether it's a video, a blog post, a podcast, a tweet, uh, an email. If it makes you feel uncomfortable, that's a good thing. It means that you're learning and you're going on the right track. It's, it's something that's going to challenge you in the future. So definitely share, publish. Oh, you heard it from Amy. So make sure you be, you'll share everything that's on your mind. So to close, Rami, please tell us where we can find more information about you, what, what you're doing at Microsoft and perhaps any of the events that you'll be speaking at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the best ways to find out what events I'm speaking at is, is actually follow me on Twitter. Um, I share all the stuff that, uh, I'm going to be speaking at, uh, on Twitter. That's generally the first place I go. I also, I'm doing quite a bit of stuff on, on, uh, my website, ramysire.com. Uh, and I'm actually going to be launching a YouTube series soon. So if you uh, wanted to see some of the videos that I've been, I've been building over the last uh, month or so, you can uh, find me on YouTube as well and, and subscribe to the channel. It's not launched yet. There's no videos yet, but you know, might as well subscribe now. And then once, once the videos start going up, you'll, you'll get a notification. And again, thank you so much. I appreciate your time uh, for joining us at the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Edwin. Thank you for listening to the episode. I really enjoyed sitting down with Rami at the at the recent FITC show where I caught up with him here in Toronto. It was really eye-opening on the type of work he does as a technical evangelist and really feel great learning what a technology evangelist is. Like I said, what really impressed me was how he is able to bring so many folks together to learn and grow a company so if you are interested in learning more about Rami, Microsoft, and any of the resources that he mentioned, 
I have the links on our website, but go directly to the episode by going to thebusinessleadership.com slash 015. I would love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out directly to me. My email is edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. We are currently surveying our listeners to learn more about you. Please take a few minutes and visit our website and click the survey link found on the homepage. Thank you again, and until next time, Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.